out at the Atlanta jail. We're back here on the Y'all Show on this Friday edition. John Rawlin. On Thursday evening, President Trump made his way there to that little special section of Fulton County, Georgia, and got booked into that jail. The first president and or former president in American history. Unless you want to consider Jefferson Davis a American president, and he was, because he got put in jail for a long time, even got sent to Fort Jefferson, I believe is the name of that fort, way off the Florida Keys, way west of Key West. Jefferson Davis was exiled there until ultimately they let him walk away without a trial or anything, and that is likely going to be the same case for Donald John Trump. Hello, welcome into the Friday edition of Y'all Starting off with some history. Wow. What a way to intro this y'all show powered by y'all.com. Hey, we've got a very, very active y'all show. We've got headlines from across the Southeast that we're going to get to today. And of course, the big headline is Trump surrendering as he did on Thursday evening there in Metro Atlanta. We also have an update on the extreme heat headed into this weekend that we're going to experience and especially if you're in Louisiana and portions of Mississippi, Alabama, you need to heed our warnings when we get to our weather report coming up in just a few minutes. Also, we've got a story from Nashville. They've had a special session of the Tennessee legislature this week, and it appears that the red flag laws that were going to be considered, there are no way are they going to pass. This all follows the Covenant school shooting Earlier this year, Governor Bill Lee called a special session in the Volunteer State. And so for the last few days, Tennessee House and Senate members have been hanging out in Nashville, Tennessee. And it looks like not much is going to happen. We will give you an update, though, of what's going on. Another passage in WWE world, Bray Wyatt has passed away. A former football player for the Troy State Trojans will give you an update on what happened with Wyatt in our headlines across the southeast. Also, North Carolina has just unveiled its first park honoring its black citizens. So we'll tell you about that. And Al Roker was in the Mid-South the last couple of days as he was at Wynn High over in Arkansas. And we'll tell you about Al Roker coming to the Mid-South. Plus, we've got a story out of Florida that has to do with a clogged toilet and how it led to five arrests in the Sunshine States. Yep. Yep, you can't make that big mess up. <laughs> we got those headlines coming up. We've got plenty of sports news to pass along on today's Y'all Show. And we want to tell you that the conference craziness continues as the Atlantic Coast Conference is now seriously considering not just Cal and Stanford, but there's a proposal for the Southern Methodist University SMU Mustangs to possibly join the Atlantic Coast Conference. We'll give you the latest out of that conference. Plus, Ross Bjork, the athletic director at Texas A&M, he spoke this week, and he talked about Jimbo Fisher's job security. We'll give you the latest from Aggieland on that story from the athletic athletic director of A&M, Ross Bjork. Also, news out of Knoxville, former Tennessee head football coach and athletic director himself, Philip Fulmer, hospitalized. We'll give you the latest from Rocky Top on that. And we've got some scores from Thursday night preseason football. And we've got the lineup for this Friday action of NFL preseason football. And we also will tell you what's going to be played over the weekend 
It's a very busy Saturday for the NFL as they're this week wrapping up their preseason. Then they'll enjoy a week off before, in two weeks, the regular season begins. So that's a look at some of our sports excitement coming up on today's Y'all Show. Now, I'm going to tell you, we got a very special treat coming your way sports-wise in our third hour, but I'm going to tell you about that in a moment. Right here in this first hour, we got the headlines, we got the sports, and before we say goodbye for this first hour, we have ICYMI, in case y'all missed it. And if you weren't around on our Monday show, we had a very special guest join Megan Headwall and myself as Dakota Harrison stopped by. I'm sorry, Dakota Harmon dropped by to discuss mental health. And we're going to go back to Monday and play a portion of her conversation about the importance of mental health in the South. That is our ICYMI with Dakota Harmon coming up in the later portion of this opening hour of the Y'all Show. Hour number two today, in addition to our headlines, Paul Hare. We've got a visit with him coming up. And there's been some changes going on this week that he, I don't think, has expected. And I'm going to get him to, I'm going to drag that out of Paul Hare of the Hare Financial Group when we have our Southern Week in Finance coming up in hour number two. Plus, before the second hour wraps up, a look at the new movies hitting theaters this weekend. We've got Gran Turismo, Golda, and Retribution among the films that will be on the big screen this weekend. That's in our second hour. Our final hour today, in honor of President Trump being arrested and taken into the jail on Thursday evening, I thought I'd find another jailbird to help us get in a jailbird mindset. And I thought, well, Merle Haggard would be a good person, of course. He was in California, incarcerated there back in the early 1960s, and he had a second chance at life thanks to his music career. And in honor of the hag and in honor of the Donald, I'm going to play I'm a Lonesome Fugitive, one of the early songs of Merle Haggard's career. That's going to be played as part of our Friday Free for Y'all to get the third hour underway. We've got hashtag Hullabaloo also in that final hour. And then the special special surprise coming in that last stanza of today's Y'all Show. We've got our Southern Sports feature on the Vanderbilt Commodores as the Doors on Saturday evening welcome in the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors to First Bank Stadium in Nashville, Tennessee. And since Vanderbilt's going to be going first this year with the first game of the SEC, we're going to honor Vanderbilt with a big preview on today's show. And to do that, we're going to welcome in a guy who truly is Vanderbilt black and gold through and through. And that's Seabass, Seabass of VandySports.com, Seabass of the Cheap Seats on WNWS and WNWS.com. He's going to be dropping by, and we're going to preview the 2023 Clark Lee-led Vandy Commodores, thanks to Seabass, and it's going to be anchored down time in a big way as we wrap up our week of featuring schools this week, we've already told you about Texas A&M on Monday. We featured the Clemson Tigers on Tuesday. On Wednesday's Y'all Show, it was all about the Oklahoma Sooners. Thursday, it was all about the Mississippi Rebel Landshark Black Bears. And today, it's about the Vanderbilt Commodores. We'll have a whole slate of brand new schools next week each day. One of our big schools. And if you're keeping score, I can tell you we have yet to feature the Gamecocks. We have not featured the Volunteers. We have not featured the Crimson Tide yet. Those are three schools I know I need to get to before kickoff goes. 
And then we've got a couple of, I think, ACC schools that I want to make sure we squeeze in too. So we'll try to get them all in before kickoff begins next weekend. So our final five will be able to give you the full previews throughout next week. But today, again, it's all Vandy, y'all. And this show is all Southern, and that's why we want you to be part of it. If you'd like to get involved with the Y'all Show, quite easy to do so. Our text line is open 24-7. That text line for the Y'all Show, exclusively to the Y'all Show, I should point out, is 615-208-4184. 615-208-4184. And if you'd rather email us, we certainly welcome all kinds of communication options and Email is just dandy, y'all. And that email address is mail at y'all.com, M-A-I-L at Y-A-L-L dot com. Just so excited to get all your feedback. And we, I think, had, speaking of me, previewing teams and what we're doing here this, getting ready for the start of college football, I've already put this thing in the junk box of my computer. So let me pull it back out because I think the guy who ever sent this to me was likely teasing, or either he's teasing or he's drunk, because I can't imagine that this is really going to happen. But I got a email in on, uh, must have been early on Thursday, about someone who had listened to our show, and they commented, let me see if I can't pull this thing up. Like I said, I instantly trashed it because I thought, yeah, this guy is either drunk or stupid, or maybe he's just both. That's probably the more likely scenario. <laughs> Let's see if I can't pull it up here. Cause like I said, I, yeah, here we go. Texter here that sent me a message on Thursday after I featured the Mississippi land shark, black bear rebels on our show. Texter said 12 and 0 national champion, Ole Miss rebels. Okay. Do I need to remind this guy that in many circles, Lane Kiffin's team is supposed to have the toughest schedule in the land in terms of their opponents in 2023? Do I need to tell this person that sent me that spam our way? Okay, but we appreciate the text, even if it was in jest. Or maybe this person's serious. And you know what? Let's get back together mid-January, texter. And if you're right, if, if, if that team finishes undefeated at national champions, I will buy you a big old glass of water. I promise. I promise I'll do that. Probably at the Waffle House. So thank you again for the feedback here on the on the Y'all Show. Why don't we jump into the headlines? I need to jump into headlines after dealing with emails like that. So the big headline of the day is President Donald Trump, the 45th President of the United States, a chief executive of this country for four years, a man leading the Republican ticket for 2024, a man, if you put the odds of him being president in two years, I'd say 50.2% chance that he's going to be president again in 2025 when he's sworn into office. And he may get there based on what happened Thursday as the president surrendered to authorities in Atlanta Authorities that are charging him with illegally scheming to overturn the 2020 election in Georgia. And the president had just about a 20-minute booking session that yielded a mugshot. A mugshot of Donald J. Trump. You know what? I haven't seen this mugshot. So let me pull it up here. Let me critique it. I'm sure y'all have seen it by now. I should have seen it. I guess I've been busy 
working on more important things like emails coming in from people predicting teams to go 12-0 and in football. But a glance of this mugshot of Trump, he doesn't look very happy. I'm looking at it right now. He's got his head down like he's going to give somebody a punch. He did look dapper there. I remember seeing the lineup of some of the people who have surrendered in this Fulton County jail hoax. And how about Jenna Ellis, one of his lawyers? She surrendered and her mugshots got her smiling big, real big there. And she's a beautiful lady, a beautiful Colorado lawyer is Jenna Ellis. But sure enough, Donald Trump with his mugshot that supposedly some of his own people are going to take this mugshot from Atlanta and use it on apparel. And <laughs> yeah, now I'm zooming in a little closer and looking at the president. I've not seen him look quite like this before. This is this is pretty intense. And uh, and and so somebody's sending me a message right now that says any mugshots are fake. I don't know what that means. This is well, actually, yeah. Here we go. This one's got the little seal of the. Fulton County Sheriff on this photo. And how about that hair? This this particular mugshot taken was slightly above the president's head. So you're kind of looking down a little bit. Remember, we know that when President Trump was in office, Ronnie Jackson, his then White House doctor, released all the medicines that President Trump was taking. I remember Trump took a medicine for his hair, for his hair growth. And I need to get on that stuff. Man, that's a beautiful head of hair. And I don't think he dyes his hair. Uh, Of course, some people might think he dyes his face orange because they call him Orange Man and Orange Man Bad. But Orange Man Bad Thursday as he's in the jail at the Fulton County Sheriff's Office with a booking photo. And I like this photo. I really do. I can see this. It almost looks like the Uncle Sam I Want You poster. He's got that mean look in his eye. And I'm I'm all for that. He should be mad. We we all should be mad that this ended up happening. And guess what? That DA in Fulton County, Big Fanny Willis, I think she's gonna have heck to pay in Georgia as they're already looking at impeaching her. And if that goes forward, that is going to be a problem for her cause there. They're they're trying to get this trial for Trump, I think, in October. And that's just two months away. And then the other thing, this was brought up, believe it or not, I was watching NBC's coverage of the arrest there at the jail on Thursday evening. And Laura Jarrett, she is Valerie Jarrett's daughter, very talented news person there for NBC. She is a lawyer, a trained lawyer. And she was bringing up the point that one of the true legitimate defense's uh, strategy, the defense strategy that the Trump and all the other 18 people indicted on this thing can use is that right after this whole Georgia debacle of 2020, guess what the state legislature in Georgia went in and did? And Brian Kemp, the governor, signed it into law. They made sweeping changes on Georgia's elections and how they're handled and what you can and can't do. And I have to think that's going to really help Trump and all of these people because if if that Georgia election was so lily white in November of 2020, 
then why did they have to go in and make these changes and it gets signed into law by a guy like Brian Kemp, who the last thing he wanted to do was help Trump out? Something to think about, y'all. But the president, again, only 20 minutes in that Rice Street Jail, I believe is the unofficial name of the Fulton County Jail. And he's in, he's out. There must have been 50 motorcycles in front of that motorcade scooting through the streets of Atlanta. And then it was back to the airport where the president flew back to New Jersey and slept at his golf club on Thursday night. Looking forward to hearing what he's got to say. Of course, he posted the image of his mugshot on his own Truth Social Thursday with the election interference and never surrender written below it. Again, never surrender, but the president did have to surrender at least himself to those authorities in Georgia on Thursday. This is the fourth time the president has to have to go in and surrender to either local or federal officials after criminal charges have been brought against him all in this year. And Trump now, you can refer to him as inmate number P0113580910. I say again, would inmate number P0113580 report to the office and bring your mugshot along with you. President Trump, as no one else could do, is going to likely turn this really awful part of his personal story into triumph. As I said, they're going to use this mugshot from the Fulton County Sheriff's Office to raise money. They're going to put it on T-shirts. It almost kind of resembles the famous apprentice photo that Trump had. I like this better than his official headshot that he had when he was president. I never did like that thing. But this, I like this. Now, one thing about the Fulton County Jail, they call this a mugshot, but frankly, they could have a lot worse looking mugshot than what they've got in Atlanta. A mugshot to me has the little hash marks behind the person standing up to indicate how tall they are. Now, I did notice in the paperwork when he was first entered into the system, they've got President Trump listed at six foot three. And I don't know who's doing the weighing in, but I think his, I think I saw his weight listed way lower than it could be. I mean, I'm, I'm an inch taller than president Trump. And I think I saw him listed at like 210, his weight. Let me see if I can't pull up what was on the document there in Atlanta. Whenever he was weight. Uh, when I, mean, I assume they've got a scale there and they actually, Go in and, and, and it, the thing indicated that he's 215 pounds. And the Washington Post is pointing out that that's 30 pounds lighter than his disclosed weight at the time of his last official White House physical. See, I think he either he lied. Uh oh, he might get locked up this night, this evening because he lied about his weight or he's been getting ready to go to prison by losing weight, but I don't think so. I really don't. Uh, 245 sounds about right for DJT on his weight, not 215, but I did notice that on the document when when he was getting that stuff filled out Thursday evening in Atlanta. But the president, again, the first president and or former president, arrested and taken to a jail 
Only Jefferson Finus Davis, president of the Confederacy, ever got put in a jail cell in, or, or put into a jail in the history of this United States and or Confederate States of America, in the history of America. And that's the story from Atlanta on Thursday. We will find out what happens next on this developing story from Fulton County. Extreme heat into the weekend. If you're going to be out, especially in the Gulf South region of the Southeast, you best be careful because there's some dangerous stuff going on around the Southeast today. Expect temperatures over the next few days in South Louisiana, portions of Mississippi, to be well over 100 degrees. Going to be around 105 in some portions of South Louisiana. And wanted to let you know about the highs that are expected here just today. So in South Louisiana example, I'm looking at temperatures around Villa Platte, 103 degrees. Around Alexandria, that same mark, 103. And then as you go over to Baton Rouge, 104 degrees. Macomb, Mississippi, 102 expected on this Friday. And this is going to stick around as there's a red flag warning already in existence for the extreme portions of East Texas. That's Lufkin down to Beaumont under a red flag warning. Then you've got almost all of Louisiana and then most of what's called South Mississippi in this thing from Vicksburg to Macomb included in that is Natchez. And then all the way over to the all three Gulf counties of Mississippi, Hancock, Harrison, and the in uh, Jackson County. That's right. Hancock, Harrison, and Jackson County are your three counties in Mississippi that all touch the Gulf. And so, and then inland, a couple of counties too, if you're in Mississippi. Also, I would be very careful over in South Alabama if you're down in that portion of the Southeast this weekend. Watch for this extreme weather. Now, totally separate, you got to keep your eye on the tropics because the National Hurricane Center says that there's a 50% chance of a development right now of a storm out there churning in the Atlantic slash Gulf area. So I don't think this thing has quite been named. The next storm, if it is named, will be Idalia. Idalia is the next named storm. This other storm that's been out there, Tropical Storm Franklin, as I have said earlier this week, it is expected to keep churning but it's going to be churning well east of the Bahamas and not likely to come on shore in the south at least. Possibly could spin northwest and head toward New England and or the Canadian maritime provinces, but I think it's likely just going to go out to sea and maybe Bermuda could be be threatened by this tropical storm Franklin, but I think for the south's sake we're out of the woods, it appears, on that storm there. Let's take you to Nashville, where the Tennessee General Assembly's special session on public safety is going to keep on going on as there has been a vote by the state Senate to continue discussions into next week. The Senate Majority Leader is Jack Johnson. He's a Republican from Franklin, Tennessee, and he's allowing discussion to continue on. And they're going to uh, continue on at least until Monday when they're set to adjourn at 4 p.m. Now, I spoke to one person earlier this week who's very in the know of what's been going on with this special session of the Volunteer State. And the 
session was called because of that terrible covenant shooting back in April where the former student of that school that's part of the Covenant Presbyterian Church in the Green Hills section of Nashville went in and killed three students and three adults that worked at the school. So Governor Bill Lee called this special session to consider possible legislation to make some changes. There have been over 100 bills that have been filed, but likely any kind of bill that's going to make significant change is not even going to get brought up and be part of this special session of Tennessee. So in some ways, it looks like this was a big nothing that happened in Nashville this week. The person that I was talking to said the biggest concern that gun rights, gun rights activists had was the red flag laws. And they said that none of this stuff's going to happen in this special session where it's going to even be voted on. Possibly when the Tennessee legislators get back together in January with a new, new term, Maybe, just maybe, something could be brought up and voted on then. But the big thing here from Nashville, the Tennessee House, I think, has already wrapped up its consideration. The Tennessee State Senate now going to punt their final moves on the special session, and they're going to wrap up things on Monday. Another passage in the world of wrestling. We told you about a Longtime member of the wrestling community that passed away earlier this week at age 79. But unfortunately, we've got a youngster who has passed away. The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, WWE superstar, passed away, born in Florida as Wyndham Rotunda. And he was a fixture in WWE the last 10 years and one of the industry's most creatively ambitious performers as he had all kinds of frightening characters, as this guy Bray Wyatt feuded with John Cena, Roman Reigns, The Undertaker, and more. WWE owner Vince McMahon and others in creative saw star power in him as they kept him involved with WWE. Wyatt played college football in Alabama at Troy University. And went on from playing football to go into the WWE and he has just passed away at a very young age. Wyndham Rotunda, who went by the WWE name as the fiend has passed away at age 36. Bray Wyatt, WWE superstar. Our thoughts with his family in the state of North Carolina state officials have joined historians and black community leaders this week, and they have unveiled in downtown Raleigh the state's first park that has honored the black struggle for freedom in the old North State. This park, located between the state legislative building and the governor's executive mansion, is now known as the North Carolina Freedom Park, which stands as a beacon of hope for black North Carolinians and a reminder of their contributions in the fight for freedom and equality. And that is now right there in the capital city of North Carolina. Now, oddly enough, it was in the year 2000, 23 years ago, that North Carolina's neighbor to the South, South Carolina, was the first state in the country to unveil a black history park and or monument on its statehouse grounds as they did that with a compromise to lower the Confederate naval ensign from the statehouse dome 
to a Confederate memorial there on the State House grounds in Columbia. And the same time they made that change, they also put a Black History monument over on the east side of South Carolina's state capitol. You'd think sometime between 2000 and, let's say, the first couple of years after South Carolina did that, that North Carolina would get on its uh, you-know-what and do a similar move. I'm not sure how many states, especially in the South, how many states have any kind of black history monuments on their official state house grounds. Hmm, I'm not sure, but I'll tell you what, Governor Roy Cooper was at that ceremony Wednesday, and he was excited that this thing got put up or dedicated in Raleigh. Now, this is the same Democratic governor who has played a key role in removing Confederate monuments from North Carolina's Capitol grounds. Now, the question is, if he gets, and he will be out of office, he's term limited. Let's say a Republican, there's a black guy running for governor right now for North Carolina. North Carolina's governor. Do you think a Republican, if elected, would bring back monuments? I don't think so. They should. I don't think Republicans, not one of them, have tried to bring back some of the Confederate statues that have been shelved in the rotunda of the U.S. Capitol. Remember, Nancy Pelosi made a big deal of removing all the southern states' contributions to the Statuary Hall, and she got all those things moved out. Has anybody tried to bring them back? The John C. Calhouns, the Wade Hamptons, the, let's see, North Carolina. I'm not sure who North Carolina has. I know one of the members of Alabama's Statuary Hall would be General Fighting Joe Wheeler. And I bet you he, his statue is hidden away somewhere and not out there for the public to see. I think, I think his statue. I, I just found out the other day that Helen Keller... When I was visiting, Muscle Shoals has one of Alabama's statues in Statuary Hall. But yes, that is something new in North Carolina, not statues, but a park in honor of the black history experience. Now, we want to congratulate a native southerner, Alexandria, Virginia's no, native Noah, nah, no, Alexandria, Virginia's native son, Noah Lyles, is truly the world's fastest man congratulations the 26 year old alexandria city high graduate earned that title of world's fastest man after he won gold in the 100 meter dash in the 2023 world athletics championships in budapest what a great job he's fast 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 and he's got a shot at becoming the first man to win the 100 and 200 meter races at a world championship since usain bolt did that eight years ago and he timed unbelievable times to get this world's fastest man honor the alexandria native congratulations to noah lyles he noah how to run for sure <laughs> al roker knows how to run to the mid-south he just did that the today's show weatherman came into the mid-south this week to visit win arkansas now, Roker just had his 69th birthday last Sunday, and just after that, he got on a plane to the Bluff City and coordinated a scholastic surprise for students and teachers at Wynn High School in eastern Arkansas. Now, that's the same high school that's in the town of Wynn, of which back in late March, a tornado came through that portion of the natural state and devastated Wynn, Arkansas, 
and it really essentially wiped off the map when high school and a bunch of churches and businesses that were around when high school and Roker, the lovable, if you will, maybe he's aggravating to some of you guy went over to win this week and was on hand to make a surprise announcement, but also Roker applauded the students and teachers for their resiliency of finishing the school year since March when that storm came through. More than 700 students at Wynn High School have attended classes on separate campuses. And guess what? Starting Monday, all those 700 students that had to go elsewhere to wrap up last year after the tornado hit their high school, those students that are still going through school are going to be reunited for the first time Monday. And what a fantastic fantastic effort by the educators there in Wynn, Arkansas. Now there's temporary buildings that are set up, but it's still better to be together. And so every teacher at Wynn High School, thanks to Al Roker and his efforts, received $500 and new whiteboards for their classrooms. Roker also provided a teacher with a brand new remembrance box to hold her cherished letters that she saved over the years from her students. Students also got to enjoy sweet treats from an ice cream truck that was brought to the school when Roker of the NBC Today show showed up on campus and brought a bunch of cheer to win Arkansas. What a nice story. And that wraps up our news headlines of this opening hour of the Y'all Show. Hang on, when we come back, we've got a quick sports update for you. And we also have, before the hour's up, a visit with Dakota Harmon and Megan Headwall. This was a visit we had Monday. It's called ICYMI. In case y'all missed it, and we'll share a portion of that great interview about mental health. And that will be before this first hour wraps up of the show all about the South, the Y'all Show. We want to hear you here at Super Talk 93.1 on shows like The Y'all Show, The Patriot Pastor, and The Frankie Lack Show. We've got a text line that you can text us and participate in the program. That number is 731-410-7560. And the Super Talk 93.1 text line is powered by See Me Tree Service. They are a West Tennessee-based company, and they will help you with any of your tree removal problems, tree trimming, tree elevation, pruning, tree topping, stump grinding, and more. They're a small family-owned business that's licensed and insured, and you can call See Me Tree Service for a free estimate. Call them at 731-617-2236. See Me Tree Service. For all of your tree removal or tree issues going on, give them a call for that free estimate. 731-617-2236. See Me Tree Service. Powering the Super Talk 93.1 text line. Drown her memory, but I thought no way with all 
Tell them about it, T-Bird. We're back on the Y'all Show. A quick look at some sports headlines on this Friday edition of the show that's all Southern. The Atlantic Coast Conference is now seriously considering, again, adding Stanford and Cal out of the Pac-12, as well as the AAC's SMU Mustangs. I think SMU is in the AAC. I could be wrong. They might still be in Conference USA. I got a production assistant here. Give me a thumbs up. So SMU, AAC, or CUSA? AAC? Yes? Yes, that's right. That makes sense because the AAC doesn't have TCU in it. I know when they play, they're not in certainly in the same conference there. But SMU now is a potential future member of the Atlantic Coast Conference. As that conference, they've been really trying to figure out what they're going to do. Florida State and Clemson and maybe even a few more schools have been against the addition of Stanford and Cal. And there's this block of four that includes the Knowles, the Tigers, plus NC State, North Carolina, also part of that. And they're against adding those West Coast schools. Only one of them, if one of them flips, then you're going to see the crazy trees from Palo Alto and the wacky weed bears from Berkeley as ACC members. And now out of nowhere, you got SMU as a potential member of the SEC. Now, one thing that's happening is they've gone back to the drawing board, the Atlantic Coast Conference, and they're proposing that at least for a number of years, some, if not all three of these schools, are going to have to forgo a lot of the revenue that they would be making from the television benefits of this proposed deal. And SMU, I think, is definitely willing to forgo about seven years of not making money or not much money from a TV deal as a member of the Atlantic Coast Conference. That's a smart move. What if SMU ends up in the ACC Y'all, that's a better deal than being in the Big 12, in my opinion. And so kudos to SMU if they can pull this off. But right now, the ACC really, really coming up with some crazy scenarios. And we'll find out if any of these schools end up getting the thumbs up to be on the ACC's shortlist of expansion. Now to College Station and the athletic director of Texas A&M is Ross Bjork, the former AD at the University of Mississippi before going to College Station. And earlier this week, after a 5-7 and seven season by Jimbo Fisher, who works for Bjork there, the athletic director of the Aggies said this week that Jimbo Fisher was on the hot seat or has dismissed that Jimbo Fisher was on the hot seat. He says, Bjork, that Texas A&M is built to last and there's no panic. You can't be a blow by the win program and how you make decisions and expect to win championships in the SEC. But it sounds like Bjork is firmly in the Jimbo Fisher camp. He, he ought to be. He gave him about a $100 million contract and a 10-year guarantee when he's signing him a few years back all the way through the year 2031. If Texas A&M were to fire Jimbo Fisher following this upcoming season, Fisher would still be owed $77 million. How would you like to have 77 big ones 
to sit back and not coach football. I think I would take that. Now, Jimbo, good job there. Phil Fulmer, the former coach of the UT Vols, who won a national championship in his time in Rocky Top Country. Phil Fulmer News out of Knoxville, the former Tennessee coach, has been hospitalized this week. And coming out of Knoxville, we've got the headlines on that as the coach underwent surgery Thursday at UT Medical Center in Knoxville. And his family said he was alert and in good spirits. The family statement about this did not specify the nature of Phil Fulmer's health issues, but did say he would remain in the hospital for a few days. The 72-year-old led Tennessee to a national championship in 1998. They won back-to-back SEC titles in 97 and 98 and ended up being the AD of Tennessee all the way up till December of 2017, or he was brought back and then in 2017 and then retired in early 2021. And the same day that he retired, Tennessee announced the firing of Jeremy Pruitt. But right now, our thoughts with Philip Fulmer, the former Tennessee player turned coach, as he's been hospitalized this week. And that is a look at some of the sports stories of this opening hour of Y'all Talk With an Accent on All Things Southern. When we come back here on the program about the South, we've got ICYMI in case y'all missed it. And we're going to give you a little slice of our Monday conversation that yours truly, Megan Headwall, what the two of us had with Dakota Harmon as she came on to talk about mental health. And that's coming up next. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. <sighs> text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Uh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. If I gave you pretty flowers, if I took you out to dinner, if we walked home by the river, would you invite me in? If we sat down on the sofa, if I told you funny stories, if I moved a little closer, would you put your hand in mine? If I told you you were We're back on y'all, wrapping up this opening hour of our program about the Southeast and we have this section of our Friday show devoted to ICYMI in case y'all missed it. And on Monday, we had a very special guest come in and join Megan Headwall and myself, and that was Dakota Harmon. She stopped by to discuss the importance of mental health. And we're going to go now to our Monday visit with Dakota and learn enough, uh, some things that maybe can help us if we know someone who's struggling with mental health or perhaps yourself you're you're struggling from this important and uh very common thing so let's go back to monday again with our conversation i see why am i in case y'all missed it our visit with dakota Harmon. why do you think people are nervous to go and seek help or they what's that like kind of barrier that's preventing them from doing it i think a lot of people have trouble being vulnerable um you know we see it in men especially I don't want to call anybody out but 
we see it in men a lot where they're just raised to be tough you know you're not supposed to cry you're not supposed to show emotion you're supposed to be the protector and the dominant force but that's just not always the case and men have emotions too and it's really unfortunate that we live in a world where they can't open up about their feelings and it leads to more toxicity and built up emotion and that is not typically taken out in the best manner yeah all right that again was a little sample of the conversation that megan headwall and i had with dakota Harmon as she works in the mental health field and she was kind enough to drop by and share some insight on what to do if you or someone you know is dealing with mental health and that entire interview we encourage you to go to our podcast options and listen to it. We're on Spotify, iHeartRadio, the TuneIn app, plus Apple Podcasts and Apple iTunes, in addition to being at y'all.com. That wraps up our first hour. We got a lot of fun coming up in hour two, so hang on for the fun. yard line of this Friday y'all show. Hello, welcome in hour two of our conversation about what goes on across the southeast. John Rawl, glad to have you back here as we're going to close out this Friday edition over the next two hours and tickled that you would join us. You can join us via an email anytime here at the y'all show and our email address is mail mail at yall.com and then that text line is always open for you as well 615-208-4184 we're broadcasting on great stations across the south plus you can find the y'all show in podcast form too and we sure appreciate the thousands of you who catch us each and every week in podcast form on all those different podcast platforms it's sure an honor to sit here and talk about Dixie with you. In this second hour today, we're going to continue on with our headlines from Trump being arrested on Thursday in downtown Atlanta to other headlines across the Southeast today. We've got all those headlines set up for you. Plus, a little bit later this hour, Paul Hare of the Hare Financial Group. He's going to be dropping by and giving us the kind of recap of the week in the Southern financial world from Wall Street to what's going on with investments and insurance and so much more. Paul does an A-plus job, and he'll be able to come on and give you some real pointers when he drops by in the next segment here on our show about the Southeast. Before the hour is up, we've got a look at the new movies hitting theaters this weekend. I can't wait to see one of these things. I'll tell you which one it is. There's several movies hitting the Southern box offices this week, so it's all about movies before we wrap up here this second hour and a friendly reminder coming up in our final hour, we've got Merle Haggard music in honor of Donald Trump going into the jailhouse on Thursday evening. We've got that plus 
a salute to the Vanderbilt Commodores, as the Doors will be the first SEC team to run out on the field and play a game. Vandy's got the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors coming into First Bank Stadium for a game Saturday evening. That's just within a couple of hours of now. And so Seabass, a friend of the program, is going to come on and help us preview Clark Lee and the Vandy Commodores of 2023, and it's going to be awesome. I promise you, you won't find anybody else that can put all the information you've ever dreamt of about Vanderbilt University, its traditions, its team, its starting players, its recruiting, and more. That's what Mr. Bass will offer when he stops by to get us all caught up on the black and gold. It's anchored down, y'all, and that's coming up right before we get out of here in our final hour. But that's next hour. Still got plenty of great stuff coming here this hour, our second hour of the Y'all Show. Let's pick up with the headlines and the big story from, of course, Thursday was President Donald Trump surrendering as he has been charged with illegally scheming to overturn the 2020 election in the state of Georgia. On Thursday evening, right after the rush hour traffic kind of died down in metro Atlanta, he was able to fly in on Trump Force One, get off the plane, be whisked away to the uh, Fulton County Jail there, northwest of the Georgia Tech campus, and he had a 20-minute booking. And during that time, he got a nice mugshot there, the first American president and or former president to ever have a mugshot. And then he was released on a $200,000 bond and quickly got on the uh, fast track back to the big airport in Atlanta, and he returned to New Jersey to his golf club there in Bedminster. Now, I'm not sure if he flew out of uh, Peachtree to Cab Airport, if that's the airport he went to in Atlanta, or he went to the main big international airport, the Maynard Jackson Airport, south of downtown. He might have gone to Peachtree to Cab, which was probably easier and faster if he'd have gone in there. Hmm. I know he didn't parachute in. I, I do know that. But again, the big story, Trump's got this mugshot as he has surrendered at the jail. And the way Georgia is set up, so you come in, you have to surrender. I guess they read you the deal, but he still hasn't necessarily stood before a judge. And that's going to happen, I think, in September. Every state does it just a little bit different. And in Georgia, Trump's got to get back down to, the devil's got to get back down to Georgia. (laughs) For all you Trump haters out there, that's a good thing to say, I guess. But he's got to get back down to Atlanta in the near future to do the next chapter. And then Fannie Willis, the DA of Fulton County, has already come out and said that they're going to have this whole thing of all these 19 people on the fast track for a trial. I bet you she's just trying to scare them into some kind of plea deal. But you're not going to get Donald Trump to do a plea deal. I just don't see that happening. I really don't. I saw a great interview with a woman who did not support Trump in 2020. But she still came out to support him Thursday in Atlanta. She lived in the Atlanta area, and she was not a Trump person voting for him. But she said she came out to support Trump because she believes in the First Amendment. And I guess what she was echoing in that live interview was that Trump had his First Amendment right to 
be angry at the election results of Georgia. And if you go back, if all they've got on him, and I don't know what they've got, I guess that's why we'll go through the next few months and find out if there's going to be a trial, but the best we know thus far, the goods they've got on Trump himself was that phone call he made to Brad Raffensperger, Secretary of State of Georgia, where he said, I almost can recite this thing, I just want to find uh, whatever that number amount that he said. He didn't order Raffensperger to go out and find him. He didn't say, I'm going to send troops in there and find him. He just was expressing his wish that I want to find, I just want to find, more specifically, that amount of votes. And that is a person's First Amendment right to wish for something. He's basically wishing for something. But I don't think he was ordering anything. Because let's say he was ordering. It sure didn't happen. Nobody magically found the exact number of votes that Trump needed to actually win Georgia. So it's it's a slippery slope in some ways. We will find out. But Trump now has the first the distinction of being the first president that has ever had a mugshot, either before office or after office. Because I don't think anybody I've I don't think anybody that I can think of has ever been arrested that's been a president. Not even Barack Obama has been arrested before, I don't think. Couldn't produce a birth certificate for about 50 years. But other than that, didn't produce a mugshot because I think Obama, now I was going to say has been a guy that has abided by the law. That's not true. The guy was a freaking pothead in high school. And I think he carried that lifestyle only into college. And only until the last 15, 20 years has Mary Jane been cool and not necessarily even been prosecuted in much of the country. But when he was in college, going to college in California before going on to law school, nowhere was Mary Jane cool and could you openly do it and not be arrested. So Obama is not Lily White, but he, but he doesn't have a mugshot to his credit. Let's take you to a story out of East Nashville in Middle Tennessee. The post office of East Nashville has thrown out a woman's bridal dress. As postal officials said the package was disposed at the post office per instructions from the shipper. Lordy, lordy, lordy. And this East Nashville woman said she ordered the bridal dress online but it never came in. And then she found out the post office right near her threw the dang thing out. She said, Kristen Luttrell, she went to the post office to complain. She said, I told them that I was going to go to the news. And they said, okay, cool. Have a nice day. (laughs) She's lived in East Nashville for a number of years. And she says her house has a bright orange door. So her house is not hard to find, but she said this month she's missed multiple packages that the U.S. Postal Service was supposed to deliver to her East Nashville home. And she says they either got delivered to addresses in other cities or she's got incorrect mail in her own box. But she ordered a wedding dress for an upcoming bridal shower and it was under undeliverable, even though I got mail that day, she says. And she admits that it was an expensive dress that they just threw away. 
and what a shame there. Luttrell said that the problem stems from the post office on Woodland Street in East Nashville. She said she went there to talk with the manager, but with no luck, she filled out claims. And this is a common problem people have with their local post office. Just inept in a lot of cases. I know it's a tough job. I know these postal workers in some cases are stressed. All the volume of mail they have to deal with. And in some cases they have to work on Sundays now delivering Amazon packages. But these people are paid pretty good in most cases. And they got a lot of vacation time if they've been there. I know I know a guy at my local post office that goes on cruises almost every month. He told me he's got about three months of vacation time and the guy's not but about 50 years old. I think I got into the wrong business, y'all. But you don't throw away a wedding dress. But lesson learned, maybe you don't order wedding dresses online. Don't we have wedding shops that you can go in and isn't that a big thrill of getting married if you're a bride? Is the thrill of trying on wedding dresses in a store and getting that perfect outfit for that perfect day? Hmm. I have never worn a wedding dress, so I better shut up <laughs> and and move on to other stories of the day. Okay? Right, let's cl- close up our headlines of the day with a hmm, really bad story coming from the Sunshine State. Five women in the Tampa area, have been arrested. Arrested this week for intentionally clogging a toilet at a chicken wing joint in Longwood. That's what arrest records are showing. They intentionally clogged a toilet, and it led to a brawl between these five women and the employees of the Papa Bee's chicken wing place in Longwood in the Tampa area. A supervisor of the restaurant told authorities that the women stuffed the toilet in the restaurant with wads of toilet paper, and when an employee cleaned the bathroom, one of the women went back inside and clogged it again. The supervisor allegedly asked the women to leave, and that's when the group became irate and started yelling. One woman punched the supervisor in the face. This is all true, and it's you got to watch people when they start eating chicken wings. They lose their daggum mind, especially these five women. One of the women allegedly punched that supervisor in the face. Others joined in by kicking, punching, pulling hair, and throwing objects at the employees. One employee attempted to step in and help her supervisor when a woman slapped her and started throwing chairs at her. Ultimately, the fight was broken up by other employees. The supervisor of this chicken wing joint suffered bruises to the leg and arm, and got cut behind the ear. Police officers able to to detain the five women, and here are the five knuckleheads, allegedly, who stuff toilets at a chicken wing restaurant and cause a fight. Are you ready for this? The five knuckleheads who've all been charged with disorderly conduct, battery, and property damage All women have a bond of just over $1,000. These five women are 18-year-old Kenesha Charles, 19-year-old Taisha Charles, 24-year-old Kayanda Charles, 
20-year-old Jalea Smith and 26-year-old, the grandmother of the bunch, 26-year-old Jasmine Klein. These women, again, have over each a $1,000 bond and are going to have to maybe do some community service. Maybe their punishment could be cleaning up toilets around Tampa for a while as their stupidity at a chicken wing joint in Florida has got them all arrested and has hurt a supervisor of this must be a pretty good chicken wing joint, Papa B's in Longwood in the Tampa area. Hmm, I might have to add that one to my list of places when I'm back going to see a Tampa Bay Buccaneers game with Baker Mayfield now, the starting quarterback there for the Bucks in 2023. I'm excited about Tampa Bay football this year. You know why? I'm excited because for the first time in about 10 years, the creamsicles are coming back to the Buccaneers. That's right. Due to the NFL getting rid of that stupid rule that they won't allow teams to have more than one helmet because of concussion issues, the Bucks are going to bring back the white helmet for a couple of games, and that means they're going to wear the creamsicle look, and I love that lovable loser look of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Hopefully they won't be wearing that look and beating my favorite NFL team when they get together. But uh, love that throwback look to the 1970s when Steve Spurrier was the first quarterback in the history of the Buccaneers back in the 1976 season. The Buccaneers and the Seattle Seahawks were expansion teams that year. Pretty neat. How about my NFL knowledge? By the way, the NFL wraps up its preseason this weekend. And before we get out of here today, I'll try to mix in some of those contests that will be going on. Some of them today. I'll maybe Baker Mayfield's got a game. I'm not really sure. I think I think the Buccaneers don't play till Saturday. But we'll have all that here on Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. Remember, you can hit us up anytime at the Y'all Show. We are available in Spotify and all these other podcast forms. But you can hit us up, whether you're listening to us on a podcast option or on a great station. You can hit us up on email. M-A-I-L mail at Y-A-L-L dot com is the Probably simplest and easiest way to find us. And then you can also text us as we have a 24-hour-a-day text line on all those people that listen to us in podcast form. Okay, so you're catching us right after third shift. It's 6 in the morning. The sun's coming up. You're thinking, oh, goodness, I wish I could ask that John guy a question or maybe give him a suggestion for maybe a, a feature idea, maybe somebody he can interview Don't be afraid. You can text us any time of day on that text line, 615-208-4184. 615-208-4184. That's the way to reach us 24-7 on our Y'all Show text line. It's extremely easy. Like I said, we had a guy earlier in the show who texted me about how his favorite team was going to go 12-0 in college football. I completely disagree with that, but you know what? The guy had the courage, or it could have been a lady, I'm not sure, I just got a phone number, so I I guess I should be gender neutral here, and uh, I'll just say this lady said that their team was going to go 12-0, and I just don't see that happening, but you know what, it's America, and you have the right to tell us what's on your mind, you even have a right here in America to go clog up toilets at a Florida chicken wing place, now, 
if you start acting like an idiot and get caught and or fighting with the manager, you're going to end up like these five knuckleheads. I just read their names to you uh, in a lot of trouble. And I don't think the chicken wings are that good that you're going to go into Papa B's and cause a problem like that. Yes, we do have some knuckleheads, idiots, stupid folks amongst us here in Dixie. Lord, I apologize. Usually it's the fellas. You know, we always have those Florida man story. This is a Florida women story. Five of them acting like complete idiots. And they're going to pay for their sins, it appears, in the state of Florida. Well, that wraps up our news headlines for hour number two. When we've got a chance to come back and join you here after this break, you stay tuned because Paul Hare of the Hare Financial Group is dropping by. He's got the latest from Wall Street and all the other goings on in the world of finance and more. What's up with Jerome Powell? Well, Paul Hare is going to tell us when the Y'all Show comes right back and forth before the hour wraps. We've got a look at the new movies hitting theaters this weekend. I am excited about that. So stay with us. More Y'all is coming right up here on the show that shakes the Southland, the Y'all Show, powered by Y'all.com. We want to hear you here at Super Talk 93.1 on shows like The Y'all Show, The Patriot Pastor, and The Frankie Lack Show. We've got a text line that you can text us and participate in the program. That number is 731-410-7560. And the Super Talk 93.1 text line is powered by See Me Tree Service. They are a West Tennessee-based company, and they will help you with any of your tree removal problems, tree trimming, tree elevation, pruning, tree topping, stump grinding, and more. They're a small family-owned business that's licensed and insured, and you can call See Me Tree Service for a free estimate. Call them at 731 617 2236 see me tree service for all of your tree removal or tree issues going on give them a call for that free estimate 731-617-2236 see me tree service powering the super talk 93.1 text line Back into the show that's all about the Southeast, including ways you can make some money and hold on to your money if you make money. And each Friday on the Y'all Show, we welcome in Paul Hare of the Hare Financial Group as he comes on to help us recap the week in Wall Street and all things money. Hello, Paul. Hope your week has gone good and your portfolio has gone good this week. Well, everybody's portfolio is a little down. Uh, some are down more than others, but uh, I cannot complain what's going on because I have mine set the way I want to, and it's set for these ty- types of days. You know, uh, we saw Thursday 
that the uh, the 10-year uh, bond is now back, the yield is back above 4.2, which now means you're probably going to see uh, mortgage rates uh, creep toward 8%. And uh, we're probably going to see that within the next three to four weeks. So if you're trying to buy a house, buy it now. And if you're you de- if you've uh, purchased one in the last three years, you definitely don't want to refinance. So if you're going to try to take any money out, uh, you probably want to do it with the HELOC. Uh, whoa, whoa, and, whoa, 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 whoa. What is that? A home equity line of credit, but I don't recommend it because the interest rates are so high right now. Unless it's just a dire need, uh, the best thing you can do is just uh, – be happy with the interest rate you've got, or if you're trying to buy a house, uh, try to get it before it goes up anymore. Now, one of the popular things we're seeing is what we call um, bubble notes, or what we we call it in the insure, uh, in the finance area, bubble notes. And what that means is uh, you uh, finance it for a short period of time, like three years, five years, ten years, however and it bubbles. In other words, A, it goes to adjustable rate, or B, they call the note at the end of that time period. But a lot of a lot of people are looking at that now uh, as a way to get keep get a low interest rate because uh, if the with the mortgages have gone interest rates have gone up from two years ago to now, the average increase on the same price or the same amount of money borrowed is it's gone up an average of $400 a month. Hmm. So we're looking at that. Uh, you know, the Dow uh, closed on um, Thursday, closed down over 300 points. The NASDAQ closed down over 300 points. So, uh, you know, you and I talked before the kickoff of the market uh, today, so we'll figure out what's going to happen when the – Bell rings this Friday, so yeah. get ready. Talking with Paul Hare of the Hare Financial Group, as he's both an insurance uh, can help you with your insurance and investment agency that he has. His number seven three one six six four zero zero four seven. You mentioned that something happened when we first started talking here today. Something happened Thursday, and I didn't quite get that. What 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 was different Thursday? The Thursday was the. A uh, ten-year note went to four point two. Was that expected? So not ri- well. Yes, now it is because we know uh, that uh, Powell's. We know we knew Powell was is going to raise one rate increase. It could be as high as he may do two more before the end of the year. Not one more, but two more. You know, and you're looking at a Treasury yields on a two-year is above five percent. I mean, a two-year Treasury note is paying five, and so that's you know that's why you're seeing all these eleven-month CDs. You know, uh, we'll pay you five percent on eleven-month CD. Well, yeah, because they can go out and buy a two-year Treasury note at five, and then when that note matures, they've got another year making five percent. Mm-hmm. So you're seeing a lot of those short-term. CD rates being five. <clears throat> so, you know, do we think the interest rates are going to go down? Yes, but, you know, we were talking as much as it happening starting in 2024. Um, 
now that we we're not seeing the uh i guess you say what Powell wants in inflation uh we're going to see it go more yeah the the two year is above five percent so that's interesting it's going to get it's going to be an interesting interesting uh two or three months we were hoping for stability in the second quarter but we're not seeing it right now but we're only you know in the second month of a six month second second half excuse me i said second quarter we're uh in the second half of the year so we've mm-hmm. still got four months to see this thing level out hey paul i want to ask you you're going to by far blow me out of the water with your knowledge of how all this how all this stuff works and one mm-hmm. the name i keep hearing more than paul Hare on this segment when we do it each we each, each week is jerome powell and mm-hmm. and 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 his name pops up a lot so i have a question for you when powell's out here making these changes and interest rates go up and all that does he do that with only america in mind or does he realize that Whatever America does, it has ripple effects around the whole world, and he's factoring in the entire world when he's making his decisions. I think it's a little of both. I don't think he's factoring in the world as much as he's factoring in what's going on in America. Again, we are unique in our situation. We are the world's reserve currency. We're also the world's largest economy. So uh, it affects what he does, does affect the other. But he also is looking at what is happening in, in China, you know, with their economy, because they're knocking on the door of, of past, you know, being as powerful as, as us economically. So I don't think he's so much concerned with China. He keeps them, okay, yeah, they're there. This could have an effect. Um, as I think he has a concern on what we can get to what he consider is normal, which is a 2% inflation, which every other financial person saying the old normal before the normal before 2008 does not apply now in 2023. I mean, we're trying to get back to a normal that was 15 years ago. And, uh, is that doable? I, I mean, with all the things we've put on ourselves with uh, the Affordable Care Act, with uh, the Secure Act, with um, all these other changes going on, uh, we're just in now the, the push for green energy, uh, the increased wages. I don't, I don't foresee us being back in 2008 at two percent inflation i just uh not with what's going on i mean we just we we've i mean i was talking about this at a meeting with some other financial advisor advisors and we were sitting there talking i said the only way you can get wages down is to have a massive massive layoff countrywide just lay them off but you cannot increase the unemployment payout. It's going to be painful. Very, very painful. So the only way you can get wages down is do that. Well, that's not going to be very popular. Well, if you do this massive layoff and you do not increase these uh, unemployment payouts, 
we're still looking at a problem with Social Security and Medicare. Well, where do you get that from? Payroll taxes. Well, you're trying to cut the wages, which cuts payroll taxes. So, I mean, we're, we're in, we're, we are a gerbil on a wheel spinning and the gerbil is about to go into cardiac arrest. And so. Wow. What an optimist. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing to ourselves instead of sitting down and saying, okay, this is not going to be the new norm. We do not go back to the old normal. We have our new normal. What can we deal with? And let's address it. But again, how many times you heard me say it? Four ways to fight inflation, and he's got one arrow. Mm. We're not doing anything about energy. We're not doing anything about wages, and we're not doing anything about the supply chain. Okay? We don't want to do anything about wages. We've got to do something about energy. Because if you do something with energy, that's going to affect the supply chain. Because supply chain costs are so high because energy costs are so high and wages are so high. Talking so, with Paul Hare, Hare Financial Group, 731-664-0047. Paul, this week it was announced that UPS came to an agreement. Their union, their employees came to an agreement with the parent company, and they're going to avoid mm-hmm. a strike, but... I don't know if you saw the numbers, but they're all going to get a lot more money, which means you talk about supply chain. That means those of us who have to use UPS for their services are going to likely have a big increase in the shipping services. Your thoughts on that? And I know it's a private company, but they're going to be making a lot more money, and it's going to trickle down to, I think, everybody. Well, the the thing uh, with what's going on with UPS now, I don't have a problem with um, negotiating for a better wage and, and doing all I really don't. But my concern is, here we go again. We're in that cycle of inflation. So how do we address this? Well, you can give a person a decent pay increase. I don't, don't have a problem with that. That's good. That's what moves America. But you're not doing anything about their transportation costs. You're not doing anything about that. You're not lowering the cost of fuel. You're not lowering the cost of moving the goods. So you now you've you've added a increase on top of that. So now you're going to see more. You're going to see higher costs to ship things from UPS. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean people start going to FedEx or to the uh, post office? I don't know. But what you can do to help out UPS, FedEx, and the post office is try to bring down that fuel cost. And you know and I know how to do that, but yes, we're not we going to do. do that right now. No, we don't, but it, it could happen mm, January of 2025. Well, but then there again, we've got a huge, a bigger problem. We've got the Trump tax cuts, you know, going away. So what do you do now? What do you do now when that ta- those tax cuts go away? So, I mean, I, I am thankful I'm not in Congress because to do the right thing is going to cause a lot of pain for people. And if you want to keep getting elected, you don't do pain. You do prizes. So um, that's what, you know, we're, I, I don't mean to sound doom and gloom, but this is what we're so what I'm doing with my clients 
is we're sitting down and talking about one, ones who say, all right, Paul, I'm looking for safety of money. You know, um, I've got five-year money paying 5.60%. And uh, we're moving some of our profit into that money. And that way these people have a guarantee. They, they're not going to lose their principal and they got a guaranteed interest for the next five years of 5.6%. We're also looking at what where are we going to see the rebound? Um, we're seeing probably, uh, uh, I'm pulling, I'm, I'm backing off some REITs. Uh, I'm not doing REITs as much and that's real estate uh, investment trusts. I'm not using those mutual funds right now because even though they're paying out a higher interest rate, when they start cutting rates and then we look at them coming down, that's when you're going to see people remortgage in those higher REITs that people bought with that great increase are now going to have a liquidity issue trying to come out of them. So we're, I'm, I'm backing off of those a little and we're looking at, uh, better places to put your money as far as the safety and security of it. Paul Hare, Hare Financial Group. Again, not only does he help with investments, if you're looking for someone to steer you along the way, he also helps with insurance. Anything insurance-wise you want to tell us real quick before we say goodbye to you for the weekend? Well, well, we're getting ready for the open enrollment period under Medicare. So this that's going to be interesting for people who are looking at making any changes in their drug plan or their their health insurance, we're getting into that point. And you know, I invite them to call me and sit down. We'll talk about that and see which is the best avenue for them to go. Um, do we want to look at changing a drug plan or changing our health insurance to get a better deal or not so much get better deal but get a better coverage or get a uh, coverage where we can – move around and not be geographically restricted or you know, we just sit down and we talk with everybody about that and see which is the best way to go. And you can sit down with Paul. All you got to do is give him a call again at 731-664-0047, the Hare Financial Group. Thank you so much for the great information today, Paul, and we will mm-hmm. look forward to catching up with you again next week. Look forward to doing it. And remember, I'm Registered Rep of Securities America, member SIPC. Paul Hare, everybody. Stay tuned. We've got more of the Y'all Show coming up here on this Friday edition. When we come back from the break, we will give you the scoop on the new movies in theaters across Dixie this weekend. All that is right ahead on the Y'all Show.
Hatchet getting us through this second hour of the Y'all Show. We are in our final segment, and we're now ready to give you the scoop on the new movies hitting the box office this last weekend of the month of August. Can you believe it? We're right at four months away from St. Nicholas dropping by. How about that? Where did the summertime go? Next Next weekend's Labor Day weekend, for goodness sakes, which is another big movie, by the way. Movie weekend next weekend with Labor Day. But let's tell you about some movies that are coming out this weekend as we're still seeing some movies like Blue Beetle and Strays that made their debut last week do quite well in most cases last weekend. But this weekend, several movies hitting the theater, maybe getting a jump on the Labor Day weekend. King of Katha is an action drama thriller that is out. And that's a foreign, it looks like maybe a foreign language film turned into English. But that one's out with a cast of what appears to be maybe a Indian. This might be a Bollywood release. King of K-O-A-T-H-A, action drama thriller. It is out this weekend. Another movie that appears to be from Lands Beyond America. And this is an action comedy called Bedrulanka 2012. And it explores the morality of people during the paranoia about the end of the world back on December 21st, 2012. I didn't know the world came to an end back in 2012. But this film takes a look at it. Now, let's get to some more serious movies. And you've got a film that is out called Golda hitting the theaters this weekend. Helen Mirren is one of the stars of this one, as well as Claudette Williams and Henry Goodman. Golda is a bio drama history movie focusing on the intensely dramatic and high stakes responsibilities and decisions that Golda Meir, also known as the Iron Lady of Israel, faced during the Yom Kippur War. So this is a bio based on an Israeli leader of Golda. All about Golda Meir, which I think I'm right on this, might have been the first and maybe the only prime minister of Israel in its history. And she was leading that country during the Yom Kippur War. So that's out this weekend. Golda with Helen Mirren in the lead role. I don't think Helen Mirren is Jewish, but... uh, Obviously, Golda was. (laughs) Okay, also another film out this weekend is The Hill, another true story movie. And this one is pretty neat. It actually is set in Texas. And Dennis Quaid stars in it. Dennis Quaid, Scott Glenn, and others in the remarkable true life story of Ricky Hill's improbable journey to play Major League Baseball. The Hill, out in theaters this weekend. I was looking at this story and it's again, Ricky Hill's true story of how he overcame the fact that I think they told him he would never walk. He would never be able to do sports and born and had all these problems. But Ricky Hill had this amazing vision to play baseball at the highest level and the Hill with Dennis Quaid starring in it, is out this weekend. Go check it out if you get a chance. Now, anytime that Liam Neeson is in a film, my my ears perk up. They perk up like a miniature schnauzer. And Retribution is his latest movie. And I bet you it's going to be a Liam Neeson 
film that's like the 50 other ones that I've seen, but I, I love them all. It's an action crime drama that's out, Retribution. A bank executive receives a bomb threat while driving his children to school that his car will explode if they stop and get out. Liam Neeson's in this, as well as Jack Champion and Lily Aspel. The Retribution movie, it is out with Liam Neeson. You know, a lot of times he's got that role where he is the father of a child. And I know there's been those Liam Neeson movies where he has a child that's been abducted over in Europe and he has to go save them. And he's like a tough guy and kicks butt and takes names. I don't get tired of seeing it. Retribution is Liam Neeson's brand new film. Speaking of brand new films, I believe this one might just have a chance to take over the top at the box office this weekend. It's Gran Turismo, and Neil Blomkamp directs this one. It stars David Harbour, Orlando Bloom, and Archie Makawa. And Gran Turismo is based on the unbelievable, inspiring true story of a team of underdogs, a struggling working-class gamer, a failed former race car driver, and an idealistic motorsport exec who risk it all to take on the most elite sport in the world. I saw the preview. I actually went in the other day and saw Oppenheimer, and they had the preview of Gran Turismo play before Oppenheimer came out. And this is essentially is a movie about a nerdy video gamer who ended up being an incredible guy racing cars, the Formula One type cars, on video games, and somebody came up with the idea to say, you know what, I think you could do that in real life. And supposedly, this Gran Turismo is that story. The unbelievable, inspiring, true story of how this gamer became a race car driver in real life. And that's out this weekend, Gran Turismo. Check it out if you can. That's just one of several movies that are making their box office debut across Dixie this weekend. So check it out if you're able to sneak off and get out of the heat And boy, is it going to be hot out there. So going to a movie seems right up most of your alleys, I'm sure, if you're you're able to sneak away from the honeydews this weekend. And that's our report on movies for this weekend before Labor Day. That wraps up Hour 2 of the Y'all Show. Hang on, Hour 3 is coming up. we got some Merle Haggard music, and we've got a spotlight on the Vanderbilt Commodores. All that coming up. As we get you ready for the weekend, we are the Y'all Show. The weekend is here. We're the Y'all Show. This is our final hour. And why don't we all sing along as the weekend's here to party crowd. She couldn't keep from crying when she told me goodbye. Well, I knew was breaking her heart and she was breaking mine so for the sake of her feelings and the sake of my pride I told her not to worry about me so I'm sitting here soaking up the neon lights misery looking for some company and tonight I'm looking for a party crowd slamming the back and laughing out Just don't care if they're dancing over here or fighting 
hex my truck So take my keys and lock them up tight Let the good times flow And I worry about tomorrow when it comes to life The night's still young Oh, they're going to be partying in places like Jacksonville, Alabama this weekend and Nashville, Tennessee. It is the start of college football in those two towns of the South this weekend because they've got games this weekend. Yeah, we'll tell you more about Vanderbilt in a few minutes. Seabass is going to be dropping by to preview the Vanderbilt Commodores game against Hawaii Saturday evening and their entire season. But right now I'm going to shut up talking because i got to sing. This is Party Crowd, y'all. It's the weekend. Let's all sing. If they're dancing over here or fighting over there, I'm making the rounds and looking for a party crowd again. Tonight I'm looking for a party crowd Slamming them back and laughing out loud Where the smoke's so thick the blues can't hang around Go J-State Gamecocks Anchor down Commodores And all the other southern teams that might be playing football this weekend It's sort of the start of college football in a very small way this weekend Then just about every team known to mankind has a game Labor Day weekend if they're in the sport of college football. We're in the sport of telling you all about the South. We do it each and every day on this, the Y'all Show. And this is our section of Friday's Y'all Show, the third hour that we call the Friday Free for Y'all. We get it going with our traditional sing-along of party crowd. And then we move over to more serious talk. Usually a pretty darn good song and usually a story that goes along with it. Today, honestly, after what happened with Donald Trump Thursday being arrested and mugshotted in Atlanta, I felt like, how do you top that? You can't, except if you can find a song that somehow has to do with going to jail and maybe even sung and written and performed by somebody who knows what it's like to be in jail. And today on the Y'all Show, and a salute to Donald Trump getting a mugshot and the president getting his 20 minutes of incarceration, if you will, Thursday in Atlanta. I've got the hag who's going to help us out. As Merle Haggard, if you know his story prior to making it big in country music, the California-born, but man, was he not really a Southern guy at heart? Of course, his family moved to California from Oklahoma during the Great Depression. They moved in 1934 out to California. The Hag was born in 1937. We lost Merle Haggard in 19 and rather in 2016, he was 79 years old. He actually was born and died on the same day, April 6. How about that? How would y'all like to have that on your headstone? 
the same birth day and the same death day. Not the same year, thank goodness. <laughs> but he was born in California and he died in California back in 2016. But Merle, with his Bakersfield, California sound and more, got into some bad stuff. At age 13, Haggard was stealing and writing bad checks. He was caught shoplifting in 1950. Just really a bad kid. Really bad kid. And ultimately went to San Quentin Prison. And while there, he tried to escape. And he was, or he tried to escape the Bakersfield Jail. He went to San Quentin. And unlike President Trump, his prisoner number was A45200. And while he was in prison, he learned that his wife was expecting another man's child. That would be tough to swallow. And music is what got him out of the depression and more. He was able to earn his high school equivalency diploma and got a job in the prison's textile plant. He also played for the prison's country music band. Went out on parole from San Quentin in 1960. And upon his release, Haggard started digging ditches and had a way to get in front of a microphone and sing and got a song out called Singing My Heart Out that wound up catching somebody's ear. Next thing you know, Merle Haggard had a record deal and was making music. The song we're going to play today on the Y'all Show is, again, we're playing this because Trump got arrested Thursday and I'm looking for a good prison song by a prisoner. And, you know, why not Merle Haggard? In 1967, Merle released a album called I'm a Lonesome Fugitive. Put that out on Capitol Records. This song, the title track of that album, as it rose to number three on the Billboard country charts and made it to 165 on the pop charts. It was, I think, the third big single following Swingin' Doors and before Branded Man that Hag had out this in 1967. I'm a lonesome fugitive. So today, as a tribute to Donald Trump, the late Merle Haggard, who was once a prisoner and a bad guy himself, but he got reformed and music was a big part of that reformation. And I'm a lonesome fugitive from this album on Capitol. And this album only had one single from it, by the way. And this, the song that went way up on the charts today on the y'all show, we're saluting the 45th president by playing a song that a prisoner recorded. And it's kind of a prison song, to be honest with you. It's the hag and I'm a lonesome fugitive on the y'all show. This one's for you, Donald John Trump. Down every road, there's always one more city. I'm on the run, the highway is my home I raised a lot of cane back in my younger days While mama used to pray my crops would fail Now I'm a hunted fugitive with just two ways Outrun the law or spend my life in jail I'd like to settle down, but they won't let me 
A fugitive must be a rolling stone Down every road there's always one more city I'm on the run, the highway is my home I'm lonely, but I can't afford the luxury Of having one I love to come along She'd only slow me down and they'd catch up with me For he who travels fastest goes alone I'm on the run, the highway is my home. The Fugitive from the Hag from 1967, a song actually written by Liz Anderson and Casey Anderson. And if that last name Anderson sounds familiar, those two were the parents of I Never Promised You a Rose Garden singer, Lynn Anderson. How about that? This song actually... I was wanting to make sure I clarified this. The album called The Fugitive, The Lonesome Fugitive, went to number three on the chart. But this, the song that we just heard, the single, the title track of this album, it actually went all the way to number one. It was Merle Haggard's first number one hit in 1967. And it spent 15 weeks on the chart. The B-side of it was Someone Told My Story, which actually peaked at number 32 on the country charts. And that, a song today from Merle Haggard, kind of odd that that first number one from The Hag was not written by him. He was such a gifted songwriter, but in this case, the Andersons pinning this one for Merle on that title track of I'm a Lonesome Fugitive album. What a, a great song. I love that guitar playing on that one too there from 1967. We played that day in honor of Donald Trump going to jail for 20 minutes at least on Thursday, and we wish the president and all of the great recordings that Merle Haggard, we're, we're thankful for all that here on the Y'all Show. And that wraps up our Friday Free For Y'all, the fun that we have each and every Friday when we get together and play good country music, usually, not always, but usually it's good old country music, and we try to find something with a bit of a story, and boy... The poet of the common man, Merle Haggard, could sure help out with all that. When we come back on y'all, we're going to scoot over and give you hashtag hullabaloo, social media fun, and then before the hour is up, it's all about the Vanderbilt Commodores. Seabass is going to join us. He is Mr. Commodore, at least that's the title I'm giving him, and that's coming up all in this final hour. 
text and whatever. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Dixon. Willis Dixon singing Weak Brain and Narrow Mind. The John Rawls story. <laughs> We're back here working our way through the final hour on this show that shakes up the Southland each and every time we get together with some good blues and country and southern rock. That's our, our music selections. And then we also have plenty of conversation with the news headlines of the day and sports headlines and more. And speaking of sports, in our next segment, Seabass is going to be our very special guest, and he's going to come on and help us preview the 2023 edition of Vanderbilt University Commodore Football. That is right ahead. But you got to wait just a few more moments for that because right now in this section of our Friday Y'all Show, we have hashtag Hullabaloo. This is where social media fun comes our way, and we share it with you. And have you heard of Tony... Shasheries, I've heard of that name because they used to sponsor Jefferson Pilot college football games of which Vanderbilt often found themselves on JP's <laughs> coverage. And Tony Shasheries is on social media at Tony Shasheries, Shasheries, C-H-A-C-H-E-R-E-S. Good Louisiana name, by the way. Tony Sacheries, a true Creole flavor and cuisine since 1972, makes everything taste great with the hashtag, pass a good time. And they put out a social media post this week that caught our eye here at the Y'all Show, and it reads as follows. It says, are you ready for this one? You'll pass a good time over these chicken and waffles smothered in Tony's praline honey ham injectable. And sure enough, They've got the Tony Shasheries injectable thing that you're using. If you're making something and and, and you're cooking, you've got this injectable. I don't know what it's called. It's an injectable. That's what it's called. And Tony's Shasheries, they they got Tony's praline honey ham injectable. You can put that thing in your favorite chicken or turkey or whatever you're making. Remember, Thanksgiving is all right around the corner, y'all. And you'll pass a good time. If you follow their advice here from Tony Sacheries, yum, yum, yum. 
And I love praline and I love ham, two of my favorite things in the world. And thanks to Tony Sacheries, we can just inject it right into our lives. And they have chicken and waffles, in this case, injected with Tony's praline honey ham. Yummy. You'll pass a good time. When we come back, we're going to have a good time. Seabass is going to help us wrap up this Friday Y'all show with a look at the Vanderbilt Commodores. That's up next. Anchor down. We want to hear you here at Super Talk 93.1 on shows like the Y'all Show, the Patriot Pastor, and the Frankie Lack Show. We've got a text line that you can text us and participate in the program. That number is 731-410-7560. And the Super Talk 93.1 text line is powered by See Me Tree Service. They are a West Tennessee-based company, and they will help you with any of your tree removal problems, tree trimming, tree elevation, pruning, tree topping, stump grinding, and more. They're a small family-owned business that's licensed and insured, and you can call See Me Tree Service for a free estimate. Call them at 731-617-2236. See Me Tree Service. For all of your tree removal or tree issues going on, give them a call for that free estimate. 731-617-2236. See Me Tree Service. Powering the Super Talk 93.1 text line. And we're wrapping up this Friday with the Y'all Show. We continue on with our spotlight of college football teams across the South. And today it's very fitting that we feature the Vanderbilt Commodores because within hours of this broadcast, the Commodores will be hitting the field at First Bank Stadium, taking on the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors. And there's no better way to get you ready for Vanderbilt football than to bring on the unofficial Vanderbilt Insider, and that would be one Seabass who has been covering Vanderbilt and following Vanderbilt since? Uh, following Vanderbilt since the late 70s, covering Vanderbilt since about 2000. And he does that a lot through VandySports.com. Is that still a part of the Rivals Network? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's my good buddy Chris Lee. Now, I, I still do podcasts with him from time to time. He's really got a good staff there uh, together. But uh, I do that. Uh, and then on my show, of course, as well, the Chief Seats. Yeah, so. Chief Seats, switch airs on WNWS and WNWS.com. It is a great time to be a Vanderbilt Commodore. Last year, in my opinion, as a Vanderbilt outsider, I thought Vanderbilt was much improved. And, of course, Vanderbilt often the laughing uh, – the butt of jokes in the SEC. But I think Kentucky found out it wasn't so funny to pick on Vanderbilt, and so did the Florida Gators in 2022. Well, the re- the reality is it- it's about commitment to, to fielding and winning a team and getting the right coach in there. And I don't know that they could have – 
found a better fit than Clark Lee. He truly embodies what they're trying to do. But he'll tell you, look, I want to win, but I want football players who also go on to be doctors, not the other way around. Uh, and he's done an amazing job in recruiting. Uh, Barton Simmons is a – a dynamo. He's known as basically the CEO of the football program, uh, but they brought him in there. Of course, he's a Nashville native, played at Yale, went to UMBA. He was a, a teammate uh, back with, with Clark Lee back in the day, and they've kind of grown up together, and uh, he's been a big part of that. And he put a good staff together, and yeah, last year they went 5-7, and seven, uh, missed a bowl game by, by one, had a real chance to win in Columbia against Missouri, probably should have won that game, but should have, don't matter. They ended up 5-7, and seven, and, and Clark Lee has a team coming back. Uh, that gives a lot of Vanderbilt fans a lot of reason to be excited, uh, not just about going forward, but about 2023 itself. This should be a fairly decent football team. Yeah, this would be year three under Clark Lee. And so I guess you're answering my next question. Vanderbilt under Lee is definitely trending in the right direction. Oh, I don't think there's anything, any question about that. Plus, you look at the Van United project uh, where they've committed to about half a, half a billion dollars, and you're already seeing renovations. When you go to the to uh, the stadium this, this Saturday night, you're going to see you got both ends knocked out. There's a lot of construction going on. It's going to hold about 25000 And there's there, of course, they're the butt of jokes. Oh, they're going to play at high school stadium, which was a lie. They were never going to do that. They have said they're going to play at First Bank, and they're going to. Um, but here's the thing about it. It, it it, it takes progress to get where you want to go. Where you want to get to go, sometimes it's going to look a little bit ugly. That'll be 2023 in regards to the stadium itself. But if you see the renderings and what's on the horizon, it's unlike anything Vanderbilt's ever had. So they can they can make their little jokes all they want. But what do you want people? What do you want them to do? All you ever talk about is is and when I want to say you. I don't mean you, John. But all uh, oh, they, they get you know if you're going to be in the SEC, you got to do this. You got to do that. You got to get the get renovations. So they're doing that now, and now they're mocking them because the renovations are going on during the football season. However, there is a laundry list of of examples of schools who have done renovations during the football season. It happens. It's part of it. What you have to look at is what that place is going to look like in two years. When everything is completed, and I know we need to talk about the team, but yes. you, you've got me so excited about Vanderbilt. What exactly are you going to find in two years when you go into First Bank Stadium? It'll be completely renovated. It's not a brand new stadium. I mean, it'll still be the same. It's not like they had a different one in a different location. Uh, but the renovations is going to be enclosed. It's the, the one end zone is going to kind of remind you, I think, of Mississippi State a little bit. Uh, but the, the renderings are online. They're they're fantastic. They have some videos about what it's all going to look like. But that's two years away. Okay. All right, well, that's excitement right there, if nothing else going on with Clark Lee's football program. Again, Vanderbilt kicks off the season. The first team in the SEC to get going this year is they've got Hawaii coming in for a, a late Saturday afternoon broadcast. One cool thing, Vanderbilt's given some of the ticket proceeds from this contest to the wildfire victims and the effort going on in Maui. So if you were able to contribute to that, that's, I'm sure, going to be very easy to do so with Hawaii making that return trip. Remember Vanderbilt last year went all the way out to Oahu and got behind in that game, but man, did they come back and dominate Hawaii in that opening game. And Vanderbilt got off to a very nice start in 2022, and they should be able to, uh, in my opinion, get this opening victory. So what are we expecting Vanderbilt team-wise here in 2023? Well, let's look at the offensive side of the ball. You get A.J. Swan back, <clears throat> who got hurt and went down in his true freshman year, uh, but showed a monster arm, and he has absolutely progressed. He looks fantastic. Uh, the receiving core led by Will Shepard, who many think is the top receiver in the SEC, uh, possibly first, second-round pick, probably a second-round pick. Uh, he's the best thing they've had since Jordan Matthews, and it's a deep-wide 
receiving core. You have the entire starting offensive line back. Not one, not two, not three. All of them. They're all back, and the depth is there. Uh, what'll be now? What did happen is they lost Cole Spence before the, st- the uh, fall camp started. They're starting tight end who they had big expectations for. So guys like Justin Ball are uh, are going to have to step up and 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 do something uh, because they basically have no production in the past that's on the current roster at tight end right now. Uh, at running back, they lost Ray Davis, who transferred in conference to Kentucky. Coming for you, Ray. Uh, um, so he's with the Wildcats now. So it's going to buy by committee, but they love their young running backs. Patrick Smith looks like he's ready to be their number one. Chase Gillespie, number two. But then they got a couple of running backs. That's true freshman. Uh, A.J. Newberry, uh, who I really – really like quite a bit they have three running backs that they signed all from texas and i i think that you're going to see probably maybe newberry get that number three spot he's he's the home run hitter of them that's what the offensive side of the ball looks like but i see i anticipate joey lynch the offensive coordinator putting the ball in the air quite a bit with the protection he should get from his line the big arm sophomore quarterback and a ton of wide receivers including two kids who are true freshmen from in-state and london humphreys from cepa uh, a local product and then junior share who was playing at Lipscomb, uh, who was amazing. Those two guys have had monster camps, and they will hit the rotation as deep as it is. You're not going to be able to keep these guys off the field. On the other side of the football – I've never seen depth like this on the defensive line, and that's something that they have they have really worked hard to do. Now, Darren Agu uh, had a dislocated sh- uh, elbow a couple of weeks ago, and he's questionable for this game. May or may not matter. Their next game is Alabama A&M. You may look to him toward, more towards Wake Forest in week number three. But I love their front their defensive line. Uh, they might be able to get some pressure off the edge this year. Their linebacking core I like quite a bit. Kane Patterson, Langston Patterson, the brothers. Remember, Kane transferred in from Clemson to play with his brother here, and that linebacking core is really good. And you got C.J. Taylor on the back end who was probably one of the two best players on this team last year. Uh, the question mark is this. they got two freshman uh, freshman cornerbacks in Martell Height and Trudell Berry, who they love a lot, but they don't really have any game experience. So you may see uh, you know, somebody like a Tyson Russell or something like that to start things out. Uh, but I think initially as the season goes on, their talent is is going to win the day. And you got guys in the back end like Jalen Mahoney, who they like quite a bit, uh, to Ricky Wright. These are names who are guys who have made plays in the past. So you're starting to see speed, length, depth uh, on both sides of the football. That's what Clark Lee has been preaching. That's what they have now. Uh, they they won five games last season, and I saw someone uh, – uh, expert last night predict this team to go two and ten and oh and eight in conference a team who returns as much as they do that won five games last year is going to go backwards and lose three games to what is by the way their easiest schedule they've had in quite a while their non-conferences are hawaii alabama a&m unlv and wake forest Wake Forest is still a good team. No Sam Hartman, but still a good team. Uh, and they, they they trade Alabama out, you know, and get Auburn. And not that Auburn's an easy win or anything like that, but I'd much rather play them right now than Alabama. So the schedule, especially the first half, I mean, Florida's got all kinds of questions. Kentucky could be good, but they got a ton of transfers they're going to have to rely on. Missouri and Vanderbilt are not that different from each other, not that far apart. Uh, six wins is doable, you know, and I, and I think that's the goal. Uh this 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 version of this Vanderbilt team is going to catch some people off guard. They have, by the way, their offensive line is the third biggest in college football. 
Division One football right now. You're going to see some different things out of this team that you're not used to seeing. If all you do is get stuck on the it's Vanderbilt and you don't do any type of dive into it, the 2023 version, I'm not talking about any other year, just this year. The 2023 version of this football team is a team that looks like it's capable of winning to, into the lower and mid-levels of the SEC. When you start getting to the top, uh, top tier, nobody's going to win. You know, you know, I mean, that's nobody's going to come in and win like that. They're going to be the Georges and the Tennessees of the world right now. That's not where they are. Uh, but they are more than capable of getting bowl eligible with the roster that they have at the moment. The cheer goes, Vandy, Vandy, oh, hell yeah. And oh, yeah, oh hell yeah, if if you can't get excited after hearing Seabass break down Vanderbilt football, then something's wrong with you. As you've got the knowledge of what's going on within Clark Lee's program more than anybody, I, I'm pretty sure of that. And uh, wow, wow, I had no idea Vanderbilt had that kind of depth. And again, you mentioned Barton Simmons. Barton Simmons, for a long time, was on television a lot doing interviews. He was with the, with the recruiting analyst. And I had no idea he was on the staff. So no wonder they're making such inroads in recruiting. Yeah, that's one of the first hires he made. You know, and and you could, and he's and he's done an amazing job of overturning some places and getting into places they hadn't been, like like Texas. I mean, they they're scouring the Lone Star State for the last couple of years and finding some real. And I'm not talking about the diamonds in the rough. They currently have two cats committed right now from Texas who are both in the top one, top 75 players in the state of Texas. That's not top 75 in Iowa. That's Texas. Uh, and they're both in the top 75 with mon- monster offers all over the place. Guys they generally would not be in on. Barton has found those guys and, and uh, gotten them in there. So, yeah, it's, it's a total team effort. And just so you know, there, there are people out there that know way more about Vanderbilt football than me. Thank you. I just know a little bit of it. All right, let's quickly go through the schedule. Bass had already mentioned Alabama A&M. The Bulldogs come up from the Huntsville area for week two. Then it's at Wake Forest. In week three, UNLV, the Rebels, will be the opponent in Vegas, I guess, at the home of the Raiders and the and the Rebels there in Vegas. Then Kentucky is the SEC opener on September 23rd. And then Missouri comes in for a game. Then you've got the return game. Florida will be chomping at the bit for Vanderbilt to get to the Swamp October 7th. Then the Dogs, the number one team in the country, come to, come to Vanderbilt in mid-October, then it's a trip to Vault Hemingway to take on Lane Kiffin's Mississippi team, October 28th. Then you mentioned Auburn. Auburn comes back to Nashville, a rare appearance for them. November 4th is that opponent. And I still remember the year that they had college game day at Vanderbilt for that Auburn game. And Vanderbilt, and it had to be one of the biggest wins in Vanderbilt program history. It was 14-7, if I remember correctly. It was a huge, huge weekend for Vanderbilt. Then you've got the Gamecocks, that game at Williams-Brice on November 11th. Then a road trip to Knoxville to wrap up the regular season, November 25th. What's Seabass's take on the way this schedule is going to play out? Oh, it's clear that that schedule is so back-end loaded as far as, 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 uh, as how good, how tough it is. Uh, the second half of that schedule, that's why it's imperative they get off to a, a fast start, and I think they can. The, you know, the, the game right there that you look at and you say, holy smokes, that Wake Forest game, if they can win that game, you know, if they can win that game and go into UNLV at 3-0, and get the win there, now you go 4-0. and I'm not saying they will. I think they're 3-1 and probably at that point, maybe 4-0. Uh, but then you go into that home jaunt against Kentucky, a team who will, I think will be their SEC opener as well. But 
I mean, think about it. They went to Lexington and won with Will Levis. This is a team a ton of transfers. Uh, so we'll see. They may get there, but I think if you beat Kentucky, uh, I think Kentucky's going to start gelling on the back end of their schedule, not the first month of the year. I think there's a lot to ask, but you never know. I mean, that offensive line was the worst in Power 5 football last year. I mean, Will Levis never had a shot, and he had nobody to throw the football to. So even though they have these transfers, they still got to gel together in the game. If you're to catch the Wildcats, I'm, I'm not saying they won't be good. I'm saying it may be a little slow out of the gate, but you better get them while you can. But think about that. Those first three games, Kentucky, Missouri, and Florida, are the most winnable SEC games on their schedule by far. And those are the first three. And I think, what, two of them are at home? The Kentucky and the Missouri game are both at home. So they've got a real shot here because if you go in there and you're three and three on the back end of that schedule, you may end up four and eight. You know, something like that. But if they come out and win some of those games, go 5-1 and one in the first six, something like that, you got to win one more game somewhere down the line, the second half of that season, to get bowl eligible. And, and they would be a dog in every one of those games, but not so much that they can't. I mean, did, did you think they were going to Lexington to win last year? Did you think they were going to come home and beat a team uh, in Florida in Gaines, uh, from Gainesville with Anthony Richardson right there? Did you think they were going to win that game? They did, back-to-back, right off that. So they may have to find a way to win a game in the second half that they probably shouldn't or are not projected to win. Uh, But if they can do that, I think in year number three, Clark Lee may have this team going bowling. It's good enough to do so. Seabass is pretty optimistic about the season. Is Clark Lee, do you detect some optimism coming from here in year three? Yeah, I do. I I do. I think it's the expectation, you you know, but he's also – he's. I mean, Clark Lee is so methodical in everything he does. He's not, you know, you hear him screaming, flipping out, acting a country fool. Uh, he is, I mean, his demeanor is a, di- is a different one, but he is, I mean, he leaves no stone unturned. I mean, it's little things. I'll give you an example of this. The defensive backs were having a hard time a couple of days ago, right? About a couple of weeks ago, start of fall camp, uh, grabbing on, stuff like that. So, you know what he did? He put boxing gloves on them. Why did he do that? He did that so that they had to rely on what? Their feet and their hips and not their hands. So he took their hands away from them. Little things like that. I mean, it's it's down to the finest detail, things you wouldn't normally think about. That's all he thinks about. He is very methodical. Look, he would be the head coach at, at Notre Dame right now if he had not taken this job. He was in line when Brian Kelly left. He was in line. They loved him in South Bend as their defensive coordinator for all the things that I'm talking about right now. I've had to meet and talk a chance to meet and talk with Coach Lee. He is a fine man and the perfect guy in my mind to coach this school, this team. And again, the Nashville native and Vanderbilt alum. He was a fullback for them, right? Yeah, he is actually a baseball player first. Uh, uh, at uh, was it Belmont? I think it was. Uh, I think you might have gone to Lipscomb. Yeah. One of the. Two. I think it's Belmont, uh, but I, I could be wrong about that. But I think it's Belmont, uh, and then came over here and yeah, he played fullback uh, for. I, I remember Clark very well. Uh, yeah, in the Bobby Johnson. Era. Yeah, yeah, he was built like a tank. <laughs> he sure sure was and played fullback, uh, but I mean he has a. A passion for a true. I mean, he. I mean, he embodies the experience of going to school there and what it means. And he and 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 guys like him and Barton can help. And and think about it. You look on that staff right there, and they've got guys on that staff that uh, you know have have played there. You know, or their assist, or they'll they'll come out there to be assistants. He's got. He's taking people and bringing. They're like Javon Hay, the outstanding. Of course, he went on to have a good career with the Titans, playing the NFL. Uh, he's been one of the defensive line coaches there for a couple of years now. Uh, Earl Bennett helps with this team and. 
there. So there's there's players who are coming back, and it's great to see because they're taking ownership of that program. They know what it's like to play there, uh, and they're trying to usher them into a new era with, for the first time that I can ever remember, the backing of the university. And that's a huge shout-out that goes to Chancellor Deermeyer, who is, I mean – None of this is happening without him. None of it. Uh, he loves sports. And he is – now there's going to be those West End cronies who will never change. And y'all suck. Uh, but for them, uh, for, for the rest of the universe who recognizes the importance of this, if you're going to put your name on something – I don't care what it is, John. If you're going to put your name on something, then you give what you've got. Because if you half-tail it, that sends a message at this school – only certain things matter. The rest of them, we're doing it just to placate people. What kind of message does that send? Let me ask you a question. Do you think that Princeton takes athletics seriously? You think Stanford takes athletics seriously? What about Harvard? How about them? Do they take athletics seriously? I'm going to say yes, yes, and yes. Yes, yes, and yes, and because they understand that it's not just about who won the game. There's a bigger thing at play here. Uh, Daniel Deermeyer understands that, and he preaches that. And Chancellor Deermeyer, all I can say is wunderbar. The man. Yes. All right, let's wrap up with you with Seabass, our Vanderbilt guy here on the Y'all Show on this Friday edition. Again, Vanderbilt kicking off 7.30 Eastern, 6.30 Central against Hawaii on this week zero, if you will, of college football. Traditions at Vanderbilt, real quick. When you go to a Vanderbilt game, I think one of the most uh, obvious traditions is that daggum foghorn that goes off there when they (laughs) – That's a tradition that you'll find the – what is it, the walk they have there? The Star Walk, uh, which, like I told you, there's a ton of construction going on, so things are going to be different right now, you know, and I, I, I think they still anticipate having one, uh, but there's a lot of questions in regards to being able to get – there may be only two entrances in and out of the entire thing for everybody. But it's, I mean, it's the, price, it's the price that you have to pay right now. And another uh, Vanderbilt tradition is the fact that although the stadium, compared to most SEC stadiums, is rather small – it's very intimate, so you're going to get a great seat. It's a great atmosphere, and you're in Nashville, Tennessee, for goodness sake, which is a great part of Vanderbilt University. I enjoy it. Uh, my, I, my, you want to know what my tradition is? I got a group of three or four guys that we go to. Uh, we, we go to the games. We start off on uh, at Satco, which is San Antonio Taco Company. Uh, tacos are all right, but the scenery is great and the atmosphere is wonderful. And uh, we like to sit out there on the patio, eat some Satco tacos, then mosey on down the street to the corner, head over to get Jenny's ice cream double scoop on a waffle cone, one cream, uh, cream puff, the other gooey butter cake. You ain't ever going to find anything better than that that Jenny's ice cream head on over to the star walk and up into the bridge I do not sit in the press box I quit doing that years ago hold on a second what's this bridge thing the bridge uh the bridge is a spot at the stadium if you was right below the press box it's the only covered part of the stadium there's a, it's got a roof over it with with uh with fans let me put it to you this way it's where the rich people sit and then me <laughs> I, I get I get my tickets from rich people uh and they give them to me and my friends and we go and we sit in there and have a big time. There's elevators. It's private bathrooms. It's wonderful. Seabass okay. yes. has the in on, and you should. I mean, my God, you became you became a Vanderbilt fan in Texas of all places, and and you have no family connection. You didn't go None. to school there. None. You're just a rabid fan of Vanderbilt, and kudos to you. That's what makes college football so special. Well, I'm, I'm not, I mean, I have covered them for. I covered them for several years. Did the press box thing and all that, but. 
Man, you know, for me, and honestly, sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll climb down from the bridge and go down there and sit in the middle of the section because there's usually plenty of good seating. <laughs> That's not going to stay the case. That's not going to stay the case. It's going to be a hard ticket sooner. Um, but I, I love being with fans. Uh, and let me tell you something. Fans are fans. You know, Tennessee fans do not want their team to win more than Vanderbilt fans want their team to win. All fans love their team, and they want them to win. And so I like being down there with them, you know, and getting into, you know, getting in there and mixing it up with them and just having a blast. That's where it is. The game is not in the press box. You know, it's not. That, that, that's not where the game is. You want to truly find out the experience. I got a lot of buddies in the media. That's what they have to do. I don't have to do that. And by the way, y'all, if you don't know, if you're in the press box covering a team, you can't show emotion. No. You can't even have a school colors on. So you, hopefully – Hopefully you show up in black and gold. Uh, man, I got a, sh- a jersey that says Seabass on the back. So, I now, think that would. Now my late mother, I-, I love her. So I loved her so much. She bought me this jersey, and she did not realize. So I don't wear that one as much. Uh, you know, instead of saying one, just having the number one, it's zero one. And I was like, Mom, they don't put a zero in front of a single digit like that. And she's like, I'm so sorry. I was like, well, you know, you gave it to me. I love it. I'll wear it anyway. But it, it doesn't say one on there. It's a zero one. So it's very different. But mama Thank- gave it to me, so I love it. Thanks for clarifying. I thought you were about to tell me she misspelled your name. Oh, no. No, no, no. <laughs> she did not do that. She even got the space right. It's not one word. It's two. Yeah, C. She didn't do a letter C. She did the S. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. What a conversation with C. Bass. Again, it's the Vanderbilt Commodores and the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors from First Bank Stadium, the very first SEC game of the year, 6.30 Nash Vegas time for the Doors and Hawaii. C. Bass, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, John. Appreciate it for having me. And a little reminder that not only will Vanderbilt be in action on Saturday, but you also have the first game of the day from Dublin in Ireland Notre Dame, ranked number 13 in the country in preseason polls on NBC. You can tune in at 2.30 Eastern, 1.30 Central to see the Irish play their longtime foe, the Navy Midshipmen. At Burgess Snowfield in Jacksonville, Alabama on Saturday, tune in to the CBS Sports Network for Jacksonville State, now an FBS school. They're going to be hosting the Miners of UTEP. New Mexico State's got UMass coming in to Las Cruces this weekend. San Diego State on Saturday plays host to Ohio. The Bobcats going out to San Diego. The Trojans of USC have San Jose State Spartans and Trojans. That sounds pretty medieval, don't you think? Yes, you've got that contest at the Coliseum on the Pac-12 Network in primetime Saturday night. USC enters the season ranked number six in the preseason poll. And our last College football game of the weekend is going to be Saturday evening from Joe Ouellette Stadium in Ruston. It's the Bulldogs of Louisiana Tech hosting Florida International. So roughly about seven games in college football going down Saturday for sort of the week zero of college football. Much, much, much more football coming next weekend. But enjoy the games, including Vanderbilt and Hawaii. Well, that wraps up our Y'all Show for this Friday. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks again to Seabass for being on here the last couple of minutes previewing the 23 Vanderbilt Commodore football season. We'll be back with you next week. We've got a whole set of college football teams to go through throughout the week as we preview all of these great teams getting ready for their new season. And we'll have all that plus all the news and sports and politics and cooking and just so much more 
We package it all together right here each and every day on the Y'all Show. John Rawls signing off. Y'all have a wonderful weekend. And don't forget, podcast of this show available at y'all.com. Goodbye, y'all.